You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome. We're here today with Dr. Sally Halim of Village Eye Care in Woolwich, New Jersey. Dr. Halim is the parent of two tweens and is starting to think about the extra pressures that will land on her shoulders with taking care of her parents when that time comes. It's a situation that lots of uh, ODs of a certain age find themselves in. And thanks for uh, talking this through with us, uh, Dr. Helene. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So what made you start to, to realize that this is kind of an unusual time of life? Uh, well, my children are definitely getting much busier with their activities, especially my son. Um, he's at the point now where it's pretty much sports all year round. He is doing sports uh, six days a week, mm-hmm. somewhere from 90 minutes to two hours every night. So getting him to his activities is really kind of like a part-time job. And then add my daughter into the mix. And now she's She's more of, you know, just trying everything that she can kind of get her hands on. She's a little bit younger. So between the two of them, my husband and I realized that we definitely needed some help. So that's where my parents came in. And now as we're seeing, you know, having been doing this for a couple of years, it's it's a lot on my parents too. So, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of trying to juggle it all. And my husband travels for work sometimes. I have my own practice. I'm a solo practitioner. So it's it's wearing many hats and juggling everything and trying to get everyone where they need to be and not wanting the kids to miss out on anything. And it's it's a lot. It's a lot to do. And of course, everyone's got to be safe too. I mean, that's a it's fabulous to have your parents around to yeah. to help out. But if you're talking about, you know, making sure that kids get driven somewhere and There comes a point where maybe you start to worry a little bit about how much your parents are out driving or how late they're out driving, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I have a sister who also has two kids. So, you know, between my children and my two nieces, it's it's a juggling act. And like you said, the, the safety factor definitely comes into play after, you know, they've been doing this for a couple of years now. And it's taxing on them, too. It's a lot. It's a lot for them to keep up with everyone's schedules and the schedules are constantly changing, and, but somehow we're managing, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for you? Because y- y- you can't be running in, in one direction and then, you know, whipsaw into another direction and, and help everybody else all the time. So a couple of things. One, I've definitely learned that um, the luxuries of having my own practice, I mean, I can't really put a price on that. You know, if my children have, uh, especially my son, he's a swimmer. So if he has a swim meet and it's an away meet and we need to travel for the meet, I have the luxury of leaving work on Friday and, you know, kind of blocking myself out that day because it's just something I want to do. So, you know, having that freedom, having that flexibility has been very, very important. I don't want to miss anything. So, you know, if they have um, a team event, I want to make sure that my son is there, that I'm there. Um, so that's been, you know, kind of nice just having that. And then also being able to say no, you know, they can't do everything every single time. And sometimes I have to say, 
this just isn't going to work with the schedule. Um, I've had to completely reprioritize some of my activities. You know, I used to really dedicate myself to marathon training and endurance sports, and I've had to completely reframe, you know, how my time for myself kind of fits into everything. So I've kind of taken a little bit of a back seat at this stage because my my kids may not want to do this forever. So I want to just give them their time. I've had my time. I did a lot of activities when I was younger and even up until the last five years. So I had a very frank conversation with my son. I was considering training for a full Ironman and that would have been six months of pretty intensive training probably workouts before work, workouts after work. And I sat him down and said, you know, out of everyone in the family, aside from, of course, my poor husband, uh, it was going to affect my son the most because I'm his kind of ride or die when it comes to swimming. So I take him to practice. I take him to meets. I volunteer for meets. And if I am not available to do all of that for six months, that's a full season that he's missing without having me there. And he was very frank about it. And he said, I don't want you to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was actually impressed that at such a young age, he had the wherewithal to really think it through instead of just saying, oh, do what you want, mom. It's your business. I I don't care. But he sat with me and we talked about he really thought about it and said, this just doesn't work for me right now. So, you know, I was appreciative of his of his candor. And I was pretty impressed that at such a young age, he had the maturity to kind of work this through. And of course, I was pleasantly surprised that he notices that I'm there all the time. And he wants me there. Even though I was a little bit disappointed that I couldn't do what I wanted to do, it was all for the right reasons. So I've completely had to reshift my thinking as far as when is it my turn to do things. I say yes when I want to. I say no when I want to. And mm-hmm. right now, my kids are the priority. So That's an interesting question. How do you respond or react when you see, you know, maybe people that you, you used to train with who are training for their Ironman? And is there a part of you that says, doggone it, I wish I was there? I'm very happy to cheer them on. <laughs> uh, Iron <laughs> training is, it's a lot. It's a lot on you. It's a lot on your family. It's, I'm doing the races that I can. Um, I'm, I still am able to get in maybe one marathon a year, you know, some shorter races. So I haven't completely hung up everything, but my days of four to five hour workouts on a Saturday, I just, right now that doesn't bring me the joy that it used to, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'd rather spend that time with my kids or do something fun with my husband where we can just relax and enjoy our time and do something as a family. A lot of times we're divide and conquer with the kids with all of their stuff. So it's, you know, I will probably go back to it when the kids are a little bit older and drive themselves to practice. But at this point, Mm -hmm. I can do a one to two hour bike ride and that's perfectly okay for now. So when the time comes, maybe, maybe Ironman will be in my future, but right now it seems like it's okay. Yeah. Are you doing anything to prepare for the eventual additional mental requirements and physical requirements of of helping to to potentially care for your parents? So my sister and I have just kind of started this process. Um, It's a bit overwhelming because there's just so much to consider, you know, um, my parents have a little bit of a nest egg. They, they're okay financially, but 
we're just trying to think about what's the best for them. Uh, right now, they're still in the home that they had when my sister and I were growing up. But, you know, ideally, we would like to get them into a rancher, something that's a little easier, that doesn't have stairs. But you have to weigh so many things out. Do you do a trust? Do you do something where your your parents gift you money? Um, and with both of those things, there's pluses and minuses, and there's a five-year look back. So God forbid something drastic happens and one of your parents needs 24-hour care and they need to be in some type of facility. If their money is just kind of out there, you have to figure out what to do. You know, do you use the money to pay for the care? And then once that money's gone, what happens? There's just question after question after question. And every situation is different. Uh, right now, our big thing is there's an 11-year age difference between my parents. So my dad is significantly older than my mom. Mm -hmm. Do we have mom live with one of us? Does mom really want to live with one of us? You know, mm -hmm. so many questions. But I think we're fortunate right now in that both of my parents are healthy and we can have these uncomfortable conversations, but they're important conversations to have. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think getting the ball rolling and trying to just figure out where everyone is and what their opinions are. And, and ultimately, I'd love to know what my parents want to do when they're of sound mind. I would hate to make these kinds of decisions when they're just, you know, physically, mentally incapable. And then my sister and I have to figure this out for them and it may not be what they want. So mm -hmm. started, you know, talking with a lawyer, just kind of figuring out what makes them comfortable, what makes us comfortable. Obviously, we, both my sister and I need to discuss this with our spouses. So, you know, this thing tends to mushroom when you really get into it. But I think it's just important. It's important to start these conversations. They're, they're overwhelming and they can be a little bit uncomfortable, but they're important. And I, I love hearing that you and your sister and your parents are all engaged in these conversations because so, so often somebody assumes that, you know, mom or dad is going to go live with sibling A, you know, or something like that. And, and they're just, it, that's not discussed and the financial ramifications of that aren't discussed. So they, they are uncomfortable conversations. How, how did you start them? I mean, did you have sort of a guide of your own questions or or did you go to a resource for the aging or anything like that? We did meet with an attorney. My husband and I had wills made up for ourselves and we really had a nice kind of rapport with the attorney that we used. So my sister said, we really need to figure out what to do. You know, what do you think? And I, I had mentioned that we had gone to this attorney and he was, you know, very easy to work with, very down to earth. He gave us scenarios that we did not consider. So we really just went in with a lot of questions and he was gracious enough to answer our questions. We haven't done anything yet, but now we have the information. So I think that was a good place to start. The other thing to consider is what about their real estate? So we needed to consult with a realtor that we really trust. Is it better for them to stay in their home? Is it better for them to go live in a condo? Is it better for them to live in a senior community? And we have a, a very good friend who's a, a trusted ally, not just a realtor. So we sat down with her and got her take on it. And it, it's like I said, it's a lot to consider, but I think you have to at least have a lot of different experts in your corner trying to give you some guidance, because if not, you I mean, you're just kind of out there floating. 
and trying to figure this out on your own. And it's, it's overwhelming. Right. Does it make you think about your own planning, your own personal planning? <laughs> it does. I mean, they always tell you, you know, you should really have these things in order, um, long-term care, try to get that taken care of when you're in your 40s, because if you try to get that type of insurance when you're older, it's just cost prohibitive. So yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely opened up my eyes, my sister's eyes to things that we didn't consider. I mean, thankfully, you know, we have our wills, but that's about it. And at this point, you know, I'm, I think a little bit more planning is probably the smarter approach. Mm -hmm. How does all of this sort of the, the mental thorn in your side impact your day? It's significant. I mean, it, it's, I'm trying to be as mindful as possible, especially with my parents with asking too much. I mean, I, I'm the one who's has my children and, you know, a million activities and my parents didn't necessarily sign up for these things. And, you know, I, I'm, constantly going to them saying, I want to sign my daughter up for, you know, such and such, but it's on Mondays. Is that something you guys can handle? And if they say no, then unfortunately she can't do it. It's kind of this catch 22. You don't want to put them in this position where they're forced to say yes. You don't want to have your child miss out on something. You can't do everything in your, on your own. So, you know, like I said, I, I say yes when I want to say yes. I say no when I want to say no. So I'm, I'm very mindful of picking and choosing the things that I think would benefit everyone the most. The other thing too, I think, especially as our parents get older, and, and I've seen this with my parents, having a reason to take one of the grandchildren to a practice or to school or, you know, attend one of their activities, it's, it's something on their checklist. So it's something they're looking forward to, mm -hmm. you know, if it's, terrible weather or if they really don't have a reason to leave the house, my parents are perfectly okay staying at home. So I think this this kind of motivates them a little bit. And and they're fine saying no if it's something they don't want to do. But, you know, this whole thing kind of started with a couple of years ago, my son really wanted to join a summer swim team. And if anyone out there knows, summer swim team is really not ideal for working parents. You know, their practices are anywhere from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And that was just something my husband and I could not do. So I went to my parents and I said, listen, you know, my sister and I were on summer swim team our whole lives. You know how much it meant to us. We loved it. He's asking to join the summer swim team. But obviously, I cannot take him to practice at 10 a.m. You know, is this something that you guys could take care of? And summer swim team is, is fairly short. It's a six-week season. My parents were completely on board with it. And it became kind of this nice activity that they could do with my son every morning. They went out for donuts afterwards and they got to know some of the other grandparents who were there. Mm -hmm. They got to know some of the coaches. So it, it kind of started with that. And even now it's, it's kind of something that my son and my parents kind of look back on and say, Oh, you know, remember that first summer that we did this and, but I think too, for them, it, it's, it's a nice thing where every day they need to get up, get dressed, get ready, go to swim practice with him and, you know, kind of get his day started. So it, I think in some ways it benefits everyone, but you have to find that balance because if, if it's too much and they're feeling overwhelmed and pressured and they don't have time to do their things, then they start to resent it. And mm -hmm. my sister and I are very, very mindful of, let's just make sure you're comfortable with the schedule before we commit to anything. And and so far it's working. So, mm -hmm. and of course it, it, you're supremely lucky that your yes. parents live in 
the same town as you. Very lucky. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I know a lot of people don't have that luxury, so. That's wonderful. Does this help you relate to to patients of a of a certain age? Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely helps me relate to patients my own age who are going through this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I'm very fortunate. My parents are healthy, so I'm not necessarily dealing with parents who are sickly or ill on top of having to, you know, cart my children around to their activities. I, I know some people have it much harder than I do, but you have an appreciation for what people are going through. And even some of my patients that are grandparents, my office backs up to a senior community. They tell me about how they take their grandchildren here, there, everywhere. And, you know, I've been in practice, in this practice for 11 years. So I've seen some of them decline as time has mm -hmm. gone on and it, it's tougher on them to do some of these things. And so I see it from the angle of the middle-aged parent who's kind of in between the children and the, the grandparents. And then I've also seen it from the side of the grandparents where, you know, they want to do it, they love doing it. And then eventually it just, it does wear on them. You, you know, you have an appreciation for it from kind of both sides when you're in the middle. I think for a long time, you just feel like your parents are invincible. They're going to be around forever. They're going to be 50 years old forever. And then once mm -hmm. they start getting into their 60s, 70s, 80s, it's, and it seems like the, the change in them as far as aging, it seems pretty exponential once they hit a certain age. And that is, is a tough pill to swallow because you feel like your parents are invincible for your entire life. They can do anything. And then all of a sudden, it's like, why are they walking a little bit slower? Why their memory is slipping a little bit? I, I did remind them of this a couple times, and now it seems like we're having this conversation for the first time. Those things, it takes a minute for that to, to set in and for you to feel comfortable with that. And especially here at the office, if I see a, a patient who is the same age as one of my parents and either is doing much, much better cognitively or much much worse yeah it opens your eyes up a little bit you know you're saying oh my gosh thank goodness my parents are, are doing as well as they are oh my gosh my parents could be out there playing tennis six hours a day like John Smith <laughs> I have one glaucoma patient he's in his 80s and he comes to my office every time for his IOP checks on his bike it does not matter the weather he bikes in every single time so wow. you know He's an exception, but you can't help but compare when you have a patient like that. So right, yeah. But that trajectory is is almost the opposite of what your kids are doing, becoming more independent, uh, and not that you worry about them less. There's there's so much going on with social media, and you know, you just hope that they're making good choices when it comes to friends and you know that sort of thing, and just dedicating themselves to school. You know, there there's definitely a I think a dip in some children's lives right around that 12, 13 age where, oh, school, man, I don't really care anymore. Mm -hmm. you hope that your kids don't go through that. But yeah, it's, it's completely different in terms of what you're stressing about, but you're stressing about both of them. <laughs> right. Dr. Halim, it's, it's so wonderful to hear about this sort of three generations going through this, this evolution together. And I'm sure it's meaningful for your parents and I'm sure your kids will remember it for, for a long time too. But uh, 
it, it's important to remember the, the the person in the middle, right? They, they call they call it the sandwich generation for exactly that reason. It is um, it is stressful and and you know any any last minute tips for how to to give yourself grace if you're in that position. Well, I think it's just important to recognize when the stress gets too much. Um, you know, a lot of times we're so focused on, I need to get here, I need to do this, A, B, C, D, and everything just kind of stacks on each other. Um, I Especially when my husband's on travel, I make it a point to just lay out days where he's not there and sit down with the kids or even just sit down by myself and say, let's prioritize A, B, C, D. And some things do get kind of knocked off the list because it doesn't make sense for me to do certain things where all of us would be getting home at 9 30 10 o'clock at night i mean i have an, an eight-year-old i mean that just doesn't make sense for certain scenarios like that either we figure out a carpool situation or my son would just miss practice that day and then we just kind of take it from there but i think you need to really not get so sucked into that vacuum of if i don't do this then you know something drastic will happen it's perfectly okay to say no it's perfectly okay. I mean, it, it's not the end of the world if you're, especially with a sport like swimming, where we literally have just the three last weeks of August off. Mm -hmm. Inevitably, my son will have to miss a practice here and there. He doesn't like to miss practice. Therefore, I hate to be the one to make him miss practice. But at some point, you just have to say, we need a break. We need just a, a night to reset and, you know, have everyone home. And then if it is something that we can do and it's it's not too much of a inconvenience for everyone and it's working and it's fine, then we do it. But I think saying no is okay. No is a complete sentence. That's my new phrase for 2024. No is a complete sentence. That's it. No, I'm just, I can't do it today. So I think it's important to, to kind of give yourself that out when you need it. And what's your organizational tool? I live and die by my Google calendar. We started a family calendar. And now that my son is a little bit older and he has a, um, a phone, we put everything on the family calendar for him too. So he knows if my husband has a late work meeting on a Thursday or if, you know, he has, uh, you know, sometimes his practice times will shift. So he's very aware every day what is on his schedule, what's on my schedule, what's on my husband's schedule, what's on my daughter's schedule. So that's helped a lot because, you know, before that it was, mom, what time are we doing this? What time are we doing that? And then my husband and I would have our own individual calendars. But once we started this family calendar, it made everything so much easier. And now everyone's on the same page. I would love to get my parents on it, but technology is a little tricky. <laughs> That's really the only way that we can kind of get through all of these activities without everybody being confused or, you know, unaware of what's going on and where we need to be at what time. So that's been a huge help. You know, I use other things as far as organizing my workout schedule and uh, I'm pretty diligent with my nutrition. So I have my own separate tools that I use for those things. But when it comes to the family and family organization, the Google Calendar is my best friend. That's great. And it's important to have that then. Dr. Halim, thank you so much for sharing your views on this. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.